happy NFL draft eve. We have talked about it for months. We've been waiting for it for months. And Marcus Mosier, we have finally almost made it. And to celebrate, of course, you and I have got to talk NFL draft things. We've got prop bets. We're going to have on Matt Miller, uh, our favorite guest, to talk NFL draft coverage. Uh, there is a ton to get to. How are you feeling? How are the nerves? How's the stamina? You know, that's very important. I want to make sure you're okay and in prime physical shape to take on the draft. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I think we're in the part where the adrenaline starts to take over, right? I haven't slept the last couple of days, but that's okay. We're, we're ready for the draft, uh, Adam. We're ready for our teams uh, to start rebuilding and being ready to, to compete for championships, correct? That, no, I wrote about that for the game day this week in my weekly gambling column. It's just like, it's optimism. It is, this is about hope. This is a time where my decades of failures as a Jets fan yes. can take shape. This is the future. This is the now. This is a week about hope. So if you root for a bad football team like I do, like put put all that those scars behind you. Like this is your week. Is that fair? Yeah, or this my... is our time to shine. Yeah. Right? No, no, this is our time to shine. Like for if you're a bad team, you've been waiting for this since, I don't know, Adam, what? September, October, yeah. right? We've been waiting for this weekend for a long time. And the thing about the NFL draft that is so much fun, if you hit it right in one year and you pick two players that change your franchise, we've seen how quickly teams can turn around and become legitimate championship contenders like right away. So that's why it's so important. That's why we love it so much. And then on top of it, there's always a chance that you're very disappointed. And that's what makes this so uh, exciting and nerve wracking at the same time. Yeah, it, it is. It's going to be a great week. Again, we'll be talking to Matt Miller in a bit. We've got prop bets coming up momentarily. But reminder, guys, you can listen to us, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and go to thegameday.com to check out what prices you can grab, what our affiliates have to offer. We're recording this a little bit earlier than usual. There's some good Front of the week juice. I'm feeling good, Marcus. Mm -hmm. I'm going to Vegas this week. So I'll be consuming my draft coverage and getting my prop bets in. And so I am, um, as we transition to kind of the prop bets, it is pretty astounding to me in a couple of years how much betting has become a part of the draft. Now, this is not necessarily new, but I will say, Marcus, it does feel like the betting is evolving quickly. And you're seeing a lot more uh, variety in terms of betting a lot more less like there's guys down the list of it that you can bet you know draft positioning deep into mm -hmm. the second third fourth round so what have what has been your observations of way that kind of the betting markets have in my opinion like caught up to the nfl draft yeah we have way more bets as you mentioned but the one thing i've noticed is that the odds makers are got they've gotten way better yes. at this because a few years ago adam you could just make a fortune off of draft you know props and stuff because a lot of times these odds makers aren't following the draft as closely as we are now we're using the the odds to help give us ideas where players Agreed. might go right we we're going to talk about mac jones in just a second but we've been using you know his odds and trey lance's odds to go at number three the whole time to give us maybe a clue as to who the 49ers are going to pick so uh, they're definitely beneficial to us, and I'm, I'm my body is ready to lose a bunch of money. I know week. I am too, and I'm feeling good. <laughs> except you know, and I wrote about this in uh, the game day as well this week. I, you're right. There's some uh, like 
total offensive defensive players drafted mm -hmm. in my own personal visual mock draft. There's some right on the fringe things there. And I, there's still some yes. value in some of these picks, but I, that's not a coincidence at all. No, they're good at this. Like they know what they're doing. Yes, they're they're, you're at, it's a great point. They've definitely caught up. So let's get some of these, these, um, some of the props, there's tons of them out there. We're using DraftKings. The other thing I'll, I'll caution by the time that you're listening to this, these things can change pretty fast, right? A, a, a Mac yes. Jones rumor gets injected into the Twitter sphere and that uh, those odds are going to change very quickly. People, teams can trade, whatever. I love that. I love the movement that you see in this. And the number three mm -hmm. pick um, isn't you're very indicative of that because we've seen that thing just be a roller coaster. But let's start. Um, over, under, four QBs taken in the first round, minus 150. Marcus, I've seen other prop bets here that actually have that fifth one with some pretty high over juice. Where are you leaning in this? This like Quarterbacks have been the star of the show. That is going to remain the case, I think, until we're mm -hmm. at least through the first round. Yeah, we're certainly going to get five quarterbacks in the first round. There's no doubt. It's just, do we get five inside the top 10 picks? Uh, I think that's very likely, especially if Mac Jones goes three, because I can see a situation where Trey Lance goes four, and then maybe we see Justin Fields go to the Broncos, you know, at number nine or the Panthers at number eight. So absolutely, that is a lock that we have five quarterbacks going inside. The first is there any chance we get more? I think there's a chance. I think Kellen Mond for Texas A&M is probably the most likely quarterback to go at the bottom of the first round, but I think you're going to need some pretty steep odds to, to make it worth your yeah, while there. I think that next wave, it'll be interesting to see. I'm with you. I, I don't see it happening as of now, but that extra contract year, I, I um, you know, we'll talk about this with Matt Miller. Like there's always that interest that those last mm -hmm. 10 picks beyond being important because you get some good teams that are trying to invest the extra contract year is huge. So you do get a little bit of a different movement, correct? In terms of what teams might do because of the value to the contract. Yeah, we saw even like Jordan Love last year go in the first round. I don't think anybody was expecting the Packers to take Jordan Love because now they get that fifth year option. It's a little bit cheaper. Uh, wouldn't shock me, but I do think it's pretty unlikely. All right, that number three pick, staying true to the quarterback theme. It's been a wild one. A couple of days when you talk about movement, now, reportedly, San Francisco's down to Mac Jones and Trey Lance, the Marcus Mosier mock draft special. I was thinking about you when this news came out. There was some buzz for Justin Fields. Mac Jones will be the number three pick, minus 225. Look, we'll talk about your mock here in a little bit and go over part three. No, you've had Trey Lance mock, but where do you stand on this? And specifically, the, the minus 225 there, it's a pretty big number. It is a big number, and I don't love it just because I think – the scouting department for the 49ers really likes Trey Lance. I think it just makes more sense to keep Trey Lance, Trey Lance on the bench for a year, use Jimmy Garoppolo up this year, and then move on from him in 2022. I, I still, Adam, would be shocked if Mac Jones is the pick at number three, um, but it sounds like he's certainly in the conversation. So I, I'm just staying away, I think. I like the value when it when this was cut in half. You know, minus yes. 125, minus 110. It was like that for a while. I've been fascinated by the betting odds in this because it, it, you know, we talk about them catching up, Marcus. This feels like an area where the odds makers have just felt like been on the, we're, we're on yes. this wild yep. ride and we're all just kind of trying to stay fluid on it. And so I, I've been fascinated to just watch the number three trending. I don't like minus 225. Things can happen. Um, yeah. If it were half that minus 110, which it was actually uh, really up until the weekend, 
that's a that's a bit of a different story for me when you're talking about value. Um, speaking of value, your one of your favorite players in the entire draft, Kyle Pitts, over under pick five point five five and a half. I don't know why I said that so awkwardly. Over plus one twenty five, under minus one fifty nine. All right, Marcus, I'll take a swing at this one first. I like mm-hmm. the under a lot, but I feel like things get dicey if Atlanta trades out. Right. So you've got two picks here, four and five with Atlanta and with Cincinnati, where this seems like a possibility. If Atlanta trades out, we assume it's for a quarterback. Maybe not. Um, But that's Mm -hmm. the only thing that scares me a bit. So what do you think of this? I think it gets really dicey if Mac Jones goes three. Right. Because now Atlanta has their choice between Justin Fields and Trey Lance. And it sounds like they like Trey Lance quite a bit. And if that's the case, now we're at to the, you know, the Bengals at number five. I think they're likely to take Jamar Chase over Kyle Pitts. I think Pitts is the better player, uh, but it seems very realistic that they're going to draft Chase and pair him with Burrow. If that's the case, all of a sudden, Kyle Pitts is available at six. So, so again, I know this is not the answer you probably want, but I think I'm staying away because I just don't know how to feel about Mac Jones. Does the reports of Julio Jones potentially getting shopped, A, I want to just interject because it's a pretty interesting story. Mm -hmm. I know it's draft focused, but it could have an impact on what they do as well. So Julio Jones potentially could be shot likely after June 1st. We'll see if that happens, Marcus. I don't know if I buy that, frankly. I don't know how you trade Julio, who also has a pretty cost-friendly contract. But does Mm -hmm. any of that have an impact on what Atlanta might do with that fourth pick? I don't think so. I mean, the only way that you're trading Julio is if you add a weapon at four. And even then, I think the appeal of drafting Kyle Pitts, Adam, is you can play him with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, right? Like you want those three superstars on the field at the same time. I don't think Julio gets traded, especially not during the draft or shortly after. So I I, I just kind of doubt it gets moved and I doubt it has an impact on what the Falcons do it for. Over, under, I won't say it awkward this time, five and a half Alabama's players taken in the first round. Marcus, we mentioned the um, just the, the way prop fits have evolved and stuff I was looking at last night for the conferences and everything else. I love this bet, and I've made it pretty clear. I like the over. We talked about a little bit last week, the over now minus mm-hmm. 200, under plus 155. The, the, uh, I guess the concern on this a little bit is where are those going to come from? Right. We're, you know, we know some of the obvious ones, but who's going to backfill the, the bottom half of the first round from Alabama to make this possible? Mm-hmm. Where do you stand here as we lock into the draft when it comes to Alabama players? I love the over here because I think you have four that are locks to go, frankly, inside the top 15 picks with Mac Jones, yep. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, and Patrick Sertan. Those are absolute locks. So now you need two more, and there's candidates, right? Christian Barmore is the number one defensive tackle in this class. I think he goes inside the top 20 picks, maybe to the Raiders at number 17. You've got Najee Harris, who is having some, you know, his prop bet is 24 and a half, just so happens to be with a Pittsburgh Steelers draft. Uh, Then you have guys like Landon Dickerson, probably the top center in this class. Alex Leatherwood, their left tackle. I think he could sneak into the first round. All you need is two of those guys. I think that's a pretty safe I'm with you on this. I've been all over this for a couple of weeks. I think, um, the fact that you do the heavy lifting very early on and just wait to, for some of the guys to fill in the backfill. Also think offensive line's pretty interesting because you're, you're probably going to get a bit of a run on those guys. Just curious to see, but over five and a half. And then the last one, you mentioned it. 
over under uh, pick 25 and a half. I see for Najee Harris over yep. minus one. You're all over it. Look, um, but that's really close over minus 125 under is even look. I betting he's going to go in the first round, Marcus. I, basically the over mm-hmm. uh, running under running back is 0.5. Right. And, and you're talking about Najee Harris. I think yes. at this point over Travis Etienne. although who knows, maybe ETN will go. I think it's more of a Najee prop. So, what do you think here? Because I think he's going in the first round, but that's a pretty tough, uh, great line to actually bet on. This one's tough for me. I, I don't think it's too tough, to be honest. I think it's an easy under because I think the first team that could consider him are the Miami Dolphins picking at 18. We know they don't really have a, a featured running back. I think he would make a lot of sense. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers drafting at 24. I think they have the worst running back room in the NFL right now. Kevin Colbert, their GM, has talked about they have to get better at running the football this year. He just makes a ton of sense. And then at 25, if he somehow gets past the Steelers, Jacksonville Jaguars, how much fun would it be to draft Najee Harris and pair him with Trevor Lawrence, uh, give him you know, somebody who can catch the ball out of the backfield that can run between the tackles? I think this one's pretty safe. I, I would be thrilled if the Jets uh, surprised with Najee at 23, frankly, I don't think that's the way they're going to go, but I do think he's electric. He is such a, a stealer. It would be just the most graceful pairing of brute strength. And just a guy that's going to run right down your face. Like that is like the most stealer pick ever if they land him yes. and just an awesome talent have love, love, love to watch him. Okay. We'll do more prop bets, I think, at the end of the future. We'll talk some things. I've got some good UFC betting uh, stories for you, Marcus. I'm interested to hear about your uh, weekend and what you like here as well. But we got to get through part three of your mock. Um, we've done part one and part two. Uh, I know things have are changing fast, right, Marcus? So as we're talking about some of this mm-hmm. stuff, like attach the disclaimers to you in terms of you just posted your final mock on the game day, right? So you're, you're you got your head on a swivel when it comes to these mock drafts at this point. Yeah, we've had some trades. We've had some free agent action over the last couple of weeks that have kind of moved these things around. Uh, obviously, the big trade with Orlando Brown going to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, maybe had to flip some stuff later on in this first round. But for the most part, I feel very good about it. I, I really like what we have here uh, in this bottom end of the first round. Go check out previous uh, versions. I'm not going to go through them, all of them. I want to make you the, the users seek them out. Is that good content driving? Mm-hmm. I hope so. Um, but part yes. three, we're going to go 22 through 32. There is a Jets pick coming up, which I'm really excited to see uh, and hear what you got. Well, let's just kick this thing off. Tennessee Titans, where are you going here? Yeah, they completely whiffed on Isaiah Wilson last year in the first round, already out of the league. Uh, We know their offensive tackle situation is dicey. I like Samuel Cosme from Texas quite a bit there. Not the most dominating run blocker, but he's a fantastic athlete with great feet. I think you slide him in at right tackle. He's a plug-and-play starter. Makes a ton of sense for a Titans offense that needs to rebuild this offseason. You mentioned that swing and a miss. I mean, that is one of the bigger swings and misses in – recent draft memory no i mean i don't want to get four down snaps. The, i mean four snaps he played in the nfl that is rough uh it's still a position i'm assuming too that and i know you've got kind of a run of tackles happening here in this part of the draft mm-hmm. um but it's still a position obviously that once they start to go with derrick henry as well it makes too much sense right not to go and support that player is there another position you think tennessee could ultimately target if they don't go all line 
Yeah, I think pass rusher. We know that they signed Bud Dupree. They have Harold Landry. I uh, would not be surprised at all if they continue to invest in the defensive line. I think Christian Barmore is also an option here if they want to put somebody with Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, but yeah, look to the interior defensive line, the edge, and then offensive tackle. All right. I was just, I had to ask a question with my Jets giddiness kicking in. Number 23, <laughs> the Jets, courtesy of Seattle for the Jamal Adams trade. By the way, Marcus, I'm just going to say it. I like this trade already for the Jets, given yes, what we yes. saw last year. Great pass rusher, et cetera, et cetera. But I actually really like what Joe Douglas did. This is a hugely important pick for the Jets. If I, you know, don't say so myself, where do you have them going here? Because I do think they can go in a variety of different directions with this pick. Yeah, I think Jets fans would love to see them, you know, draft an offensive lineman to help protect Zach Wilson. But as you just mentioned, we just had a run of offensive tackles come off the board. So the Jets go somewhere else. They go to their defensive backfield, which, Adam, they need corners. Uh, yep. You know this. I like their safeties. I like Ashton Davis. I like Marcus May. They need a corner. And I go Greg Newsom from Northwestern. Um, if you told me that Greg Newsom could stay healthy in his career – I might say he's the best corner in this draft. I mean, he is unbelievable. When you watch that Northwestern defense with him on the field versus him without, totally different. This is somebody that I think can play in any scheme. Uh, he's very twitchy. He can drive on the football, and he's going to create plays. Getting him at 23 would be an absolute steal, and I would love – Love to see him in Robert Sala's I defense. love this pick. It's If you gave me an opportunity, I hope he's still there is probably the biggest concern. Mm -hmm. Watched a lot of Big Ten football this year right down the road. This dude was everywhere. If you watch uh, Ohio yes. State, you watch a couple of specific teams. Um, yeah, they, they need it. Look, I, I like the Bryce Hall pick last year who tore up, of course, his leg and recovered. Mm -hmm. and it was okay for them, but they need they need corners. So, um, and I, of course I have to dive into this as a Jets fan edge rusher has been a popular pick here. Um, offensive line maybe, but ultimately you, you think, you know, they, they've beefed up that defensive line too, right? It would make sense, I guess, at this point in your eyes to focus on that secondary bit because of the additions on the defensive line. Yeah. I mean, if they wanted to go edge rusher and find somebody to pair with Carl Lawson, I think that would make a ton of sense as well as Ojolari. I, I absolutely love him. We'll get to him in a second. That would make a lot of sense. And again, I think offensive tackle, offensive guard, both make a lot of sense. If they could even make a small trade up to go get an Elijah Vera Tucker or a Christian Darasaw, I think that makes a ton of sense. Just didn't happen in this mock, so they take the best uh, cornerback. Available. I would be very happy with this as a Jets fan. All right, number 24, Pittsburgh. Just talking a little bit and connecting them to a running back. Uh, is that the direction you're going here with pick number 24? Yeah, and actually, you know, I have them taking Travis Etienne. Just depending on when you ask me, I could say either one of them fits. In this case, I think they need a little bit of speed in that backfield. It's been a very slow backfield since, you know, really even before the Le'Veon Bell days. They just haven't had a burner at that position. They want to create big plays on offense. I think Travis Etienne can do it all. He can catch out of the backfield. He can play in any uh, offense. I love the fit here at number 20. I love Etienne as a player, man. I mean – Somehow still underrated, um, even yes. though he has compiled one of the greatest running back careers in the history of college football. Just an absolute and, – and you're right. I mean, that's an interesting fit there, too, because this is sort of the modern-day running back, I will say. This is the Alvin mm -hmm. Kamara style. This is the Christian McCaffrey style. If you're going to give him touches – uh, Marcus, if you're using ETN, I'm assuming uh, uh, at least a third of those touches are going to come through the air 
just so good in so many places for Clemson. I, I can't wait. I love to see him end somewhere awesome, but I will say this is a little bit earlier than you look at some of the props, right? Then, then people are mm-hmm. forecasting ETN going. And the only reason I have him going here is because I think the Jaguars, again, we're yep. going to talk about them next at 25. I think it would make a ton of sense to pair him with Trevor Lawrence, right? Oh, you know, like put him that. back with his, you know, his quarterback. Uh, so maybe Pittsburgh just feels like, hey, it's too hard to find guys with speed at the position. Let's just grab him and move Let's on. Let's go to the Jags. Number 25 uh, via the Rams, Trevor Lawrence, potential running back. Uh, Urban's team, which is still weird, by the way, to say. Uh, I haven't quite, quite acclimated myself to him being at the, uh, at the NFL level. What do you have the Jags doing here? I think the best safety in this class is Trevin Merrig from TCU. I think he can play in, in the slot. I think he can play as a single high safety. I think you can have him play in the box. He can just do it all. Uh, he shouldn't be available at this spot. He's just the best player available. They, Jaguars add some more speed to the defense, some more versatility. Uh, this would be a home run pick for Jackson. Awesome player. This is the kind of guy that gets mm-hmm. lost in the quarterback frenzy draft process, in my opinion. We focus so much time on the wide receivers, the position players. I loved watching him for TCU. I think it'd be a great, great fit. Uh, let's move to Cleveland. Uh, interesting team now, obviously, investing in some of that pass rush. They've picked up Baker Mayfield's deal. A lot of good vibes when it comes to Cleveland. You, mm-hmm. you and I are both team Baker, I guess. So at number 26, what do you have them doing? Yeah, we know they signed Jadavion Clowney to a one-year deal. They also brought in Tack McKinley. But I think the Browns would like to find a long-term, you know, complimentary player to Miles Garrett. And Aziz Ojolari is phenomenal. He is six foot two, 249 pounds. He's the first ever freshman captain at Georgia under Kirby Smart. Just an incredible, incredible person and leader. He also led the, the SEC in sacks, tackles for a loss, and forced fumbles as a 20-year-old on 400 snaps last year. I mean, this, he is an ascending talent. I think you put him behind Clowney for a year, let him get stronger, let him learn the position, and then in 2022, he's your starting outside I, uh This is like a, a, just an enormous talent watching this guy. I love, yes. like physically, if you were to build someone for the position, he probably has to get a little bit bigger, which I kind of like the idea of a quote-unquote redshirt deal uh, year, but mm-hmm. he would still play. I think it would be a great fit. Uh, another guy who I think Marcus is range could probably go. Uh, he could go earlier. He could go later. I mean, where, where do you think the ceiling for him is as a player when it comes to this draft? Does he have a spot potentially in the teens jets of course have been kind of linked to him throughout the process. How, how mm-hmm. much higher do you think he could go if a team really likes him? So at the game day NFL, I just published my top 150 players in this class. And Aziz Ojolari is actually at number eight. Wow. I, I just think he's phenomenal. So anywhere after the first, 12 or 13 picks, I think, make a ton of sense. Maybe we see him go to Minnesota. The Raiders sitting at 17. Maybe we'll see, you know, the Colts who uh, might be losing Justin Houston. I think anywhere inside the top, you know, 25 picks, he makes a ton of sense. All right. We move now to the Baltimore Ravens, uh, a team, of course, uh, Lamar Jackson turned it on last year. You know, they've got some interesting Mm -hmm. weapons in place. Probably I want to add some more at some point involved in a pretty big trade here. So where do you have them going? Yeah, Baltimore can go in a bunch of different directions, right? They need probably an offensive tackle to replace Orlando Brown. They need receivers. But we kind of know how Baltimore drafts, right? They don't panic. They just sit there and they take the best available player. And to me, that's Caleb Farley. If it wasn't for the back injury, 
I think there's a very good chance he's the first defender drafted. I think he potentially goes inside the top 10. The Ravens draft him here. Maybe they sit him for half the year. Maybe they redshirt him the entire year. But that's somebody, if you pair him with Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, whew, that would be quite the uh, cornerback trio there in Baltimore. If he's healthy, he's uh, dynamite. It's a shame that mm-hmm. going back um, is obviously a difficult one to deal with, and it's a difficult uh injury to invest in as well. So you under t- understand maybe the hesitancy for GMs, but if he's right, that's going to be just unbelievable value here late, mm-hmm. late in this round. And again, awesome defensive players across the, all over the board, given the focus on offense early on in this draft, let's go to new Orleans. Uh, they've got, again, a lot of pieces. Of course, we wonder what they're going to do with quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, I have talked about that a lot. We'll continue to talk about it a lot. What do you have them doing at 28? Yeah, I have the Saints taking one of my favorite players in the draft, Xavier Collins, a six foot five, two hundred and seventy pound off monster. the ball linebacker, uh, just a monster. He was if you didn't get a chance to watch him last year at Tulsa, just absolutely dominant. You can drop him in coverage, and he's so natural. He can you know rush the passer. He can defend the run. I think in the Saints kind of hybrid defense, he could potentially take over you know that Trey Hendrickson role that we saw last year. Maybe they leave him as a you know, four, three middle linebacker. They, they can do so many different things. I think they would love to have them there. New Delivered New my worst uh, gambling loss of the football season in overtime with that pick six. It's Tulane. Oh my God. I mean, yeah. that was, yeah. I'm was still, I still have not emotionally recovered from that. That was one of the, mm-hmm. love him as a player. It was Did bad. not love him in that moment. And he was, by the way, streaking down the field. Like you saw 270 pounds moving mm-hmm what it looks like when an athlete like that puts it all together, but uh, still he owes me that money. All right. Green Bay. You mentioned Jordan Love last year. Aaron Rodgers was Superman again, maybe the best version of him we've ever seen, which is saying a lot. So this is going to be like kind of a, I don't know, not controversial, but I think this is one the whole league kind of has their eyes on given how little they've invested on offense early on in the draft. What do you have them doing here? Yeah, it's time to get Aaron Rodgers some help. And it's Elijah Moore, who I think is the best slot receiver in this class. He's only 5'9", 185 pounds, but he's a fantastic athlete. He actually led the SEC in receiving yards per game. Not Devontae Smith. It was Elijah Moore at 147 yards per game. Absolutely dynamic. I think he's a a better version of Randall Cobb that we saw just thrive in Green Bay. You can put him in the backfield. You can line him up out wide. You can put him in a slot. He's going to be productive, a perfect complement to Devontae. So this is where the whole wide receiver evaluations get interesting, right? So mm-hmm. could there's a probably three or four wideouts that could theoretically get the call here if if Green Bay decides to go that route, no? Yeah, and I mean, everybody that I've talked to around the league all thinks that Elijah Moore is the fourth receiver wow. at worst in this class, and some even have him higher, so – would not be shocked me at all, Adam, if he goes even higher than this in the NFL. Wow, draft. that would be fascinating. But again, for someone that watched a lot of college football, not necessarily a shock. Um, I just think no. we've we, we've inserted this hierarchy at wide receivers, and he's kind of had his spot. But in terms of impact, the guy was unbelievable last year to watch. Uh, Lane Kiffin was very very good to him. Uh, all yes. right, we move to Buffalo, man. Another team, I think, that could go in a variety of different spots, mm-hmm. a team on the rise. What do you have them doing? Yeah, Buffalo really doesn't have any holes on the roster. So they can be aggressive here. They can take somebody with upside. 
I'm not the biggest Gregory Rousseau fan from Miami, but he was invited to the draft the first night of the draft. And that typically means Adam, you're going to be a first round pick, right? So I think here to Buffalo at 30, you put him with Sean McDermott, who is one of the best defensive minds in football, one of the best teachers and player developers. Uh, you put him in that scheme. You kind of let him learn for a year or two, and maybe he becomes, you know, a superstar pass rusher. I can certainly see it. Uh, he's got all the potential. He just needs a lot of work. It's uh, I've I've know on Twitter you have talked a lot about these Miami guys uh, and specifically with him and how he fits. So it'll be interesting to see what the other evaluations on him are. All right, let's round these thing off. We got two more to go. Baltimore at number thirty-one. Again, trade things are happening. This is hot off the presses. Marcus, where do you have them going? Yeah, I've got him taking Rashad Bateman. If he would have just stayed with his initial opt-out of the 2020 season, probably a top 15, top 20 pick, uh, dealt with some COVID issues during the season, didn't quite look the same, but he's a perfect fit for the Baltimore offense. He can win on the outside with route running. Uh, he's quick enough to play in the slot. A perfect big body target for Lamar Jackson. Uh, I love the talent. You're right. Like it was just disjointed. Uh, they Minnesota got mm -hmm. hit hard with the COVID stuff. Played, opted out, opted in, opted out. Just never quite the same. Offense wasn't as good. Yeah. Minnesota wasn't as good through no fault of his. Another guy in a really deep wide receiver class that's going to find a home and probably excel in it. Uh, all right. So last one, number thirty-two, our Super Bowl champs, Tampa Bay. And you talk about like being able to draft to fit. I mean, they've got, mm -hmm. this is a loaded team, Marcus. So I guess, where do you have them going? Yeah. When you are absolutely loaded and you're bringing back all 22 starters, you can afford to be aggressive. And that's what I have them doing. They're taking Jalen Phillips, the defensive end from Miami. Look at him. If he was a hundred percent healthy and didn't have the concussion issues, I think he's a top five or six pick in this wow. class. I've compared him to Nick Bosa and Joey Bosa. And in fact, he's more productive and far more athletic. This was the number one defensive recruit coming out of his class. Three or four concussions. He know, We know that he had to medically retire. I think at this point in the draft is where you feel comfortable drafting him, and you put him on that defensive line with Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul. Unfair. Out. Unfair. No, I mean, this guy is – I mean, you watch, too. He is He is that guy. Which you Like, physically, emotionally – Actually, he has to keep mm -hmm. it in check a little bit because he would get so spirited in games last year. But just a terrifying presence on that defensive line. This is one of those picks, Marcus, that if it goes this way, like you talk about Tampa just beefing up. I mean, what a rich get rich. Yeah, what that's a, exactly what it would be. What a luxury. What a lo I would actually love to see that happen. Or if we could wait a couple picks, go to the Jets, that would be fine as well. Um, all right. So there it is. Part three of Marcus Mosier's mock draft reminder. Go check it out on the game day. Um, Marcus has put a lot of time into this. I was reading it uh, right before we came on, Marcus, just to see what changes there are. Uh, job well done, too. Golf clap. I know this stuff is not easy. I know it is a massive time suck. I am excited to see how you do. So you, you at this point, it's it's out of your hands, right? I mean, you are... Yeah, we're done. We are, we are done. Uh, I, I would highly recommend you guys go check it out on the game day uh we've got three round mocks with picks explanations for every spot uh multiple trades that i think very well could happen so please 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 go check it out at do the it. game day uh, do it we gave you some here but you'll get more information online all right coming up next one of our favorite guests matt miller we will talk draft we will talk the week that is we'll talk this number three pick in more 
Looking forward to talking to Matt. There is no one I would rather be speaking with on draft week uh, than Matt Miller. You've seen him all across ESPN. He's at the draftscout.com. If you want and love draft content, Matt is your guy. It's been that way for a while. It'll be that way wherever he's going. Matt, like you're, you're on TV now. You're traveling. You're going to the draft, like big time in this thing. What is what does draft week look like for you here and all these different hats you're trying to wear? It's tough, man. And, you know, I, I came on with you guys the first time when I left Bleach Report and launched the Draft Scout. And I had all these, like, content plans. I'm going to, you know, <laughs> be writing seven articles a week. And then, like, two weeks later, ESPN hired me, right? So it's been – it's just that, you know, you want to make sure the people who are – subscribing to your website are happy and getting the content they deserve you want to make sure that you know espn's a, a, such an amazing opportunity you want to make sure you're doing a good job there so draft week for me is insane um right before i hopped on here with you guys i published my final big board with like links to scouting reports player comparisons grades and i'll tell you being an independent publisher you really miss those assignment editors who are like, you know what, we understand how busy you are. Let us help you throw some of these things together. You know, at least we can mm -hmm. copy and paste some stuff into a CMS for you. So no complaints. This is like the, the, the best week of the year for me. It's probably how you guys feel about like March Madness or yeah. I know Adam for you, it's when you get that first good mow in, which I did <laughs> do last night as well. So oh, like, yeah. I'm just trying to like enjoy it. You know, it's, my family knows that like I've been super cranky for like, well, my whole life, but especially the last two weeks I've been super cranky. And after, after this week, like there's just so much energy and momentum that goes into it that it's, it's really a cool experience. Matt, you said this is like the best time of year and I agree, but it's also partly the worst time of year because of all these rumors. How much should we pay attention to these rumors and how, I mean, how many of these actually come to fruition? Um, yeah, that's tough, Marcus. I, I think sometimes you have to take everything with a grain of salt. Um, and so like, if you see something coming out, you know, from, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. If you see something coming out from like a big person at this point, you do have mm -hmm. to take it with a grain of salt. I think there are people, I think we can all agree. There are people in media who are reporters and there are people who are rumor mongers and yes. i would probably put myself closer on the side of like i share rumors that i hear from teams that is my job there are times i'll report things adam schefter is a reporter if adam schefter says this is happening well like it's it will then go through the nfl transaction wire and it happens like the orlando brown trade so if adam schefter says this is happening that's not a rumor it's not a smoke screen it's happening right now there are other people um, I would even say we can compare and contrast here. Adam Schefter says this is happening. It happens. Ian Rappaport tweets on Monday morning. It's down to Trey Lance and, and Mac Jones. I like Ian a lot, but no shit. Like, okay, like we've known that for quite some time. And so there are other times where there are reports that come out. And I think any of us who've been around the NFL for a long time, you can kind of see through that. And I've been used that way. I mean, I'll, I'm the first to raise my hand and be like, I thought I – you know, had somebody I could trust, thought we were friends, they used me. You learn from it, you move on. This week is when those relationships get tested the most mm -hmm. of who's using me, who's telling me things I can, you know, use for background or context. It's, it's tough. And I think that's, you know, anybody who gets into this line of work, you have to develop a really strong bullshit detector of who's lying to me and who isn't. And that's honestly, like, that's been the hardest thing for me, because I'm such like a, 
I guess I'm naive and I just like want to be everybody's friend. And you realize that people will like lie to your face and you can't be like, Oh, you know, this general manager lied to my face mm -hmm. because like, but you're the person who takes the hit for it. Like if somebody flat out lies to you, you report it, it comes back and reflects on you, not on them because you can't out them. So it's a, it's a weird business. But I think, I think this time of year, Marcus, you really have to just trust the people that you have relationships with, but also you don't want to be the guy who's like on Twitter saying this will and won't happen because the NFL draft, there are no absolutes. And I can't tell you how many times I'll have conversations with teams after the draft and I'll be like, what happened? Like, I thought you guys were going this direction. They're like, well, coach got involved or mm -hmm. owner got involved, you know, whatever, you know, like things change in that room. It's, it's not just on the movie draft day. Like things really do change in that room at times. So that's the, the other craziness of all this. God, I love the draft. Just hearing all this drama. <laughs> there's a, there's like some high school components to it, but, but like your livelihood is, is out there, Matt. And I, I, it is like a high stakes with as many followers and the interest that is in you. It's, it's high stakes. Now I want to touch on something you hit on because this number three pick just fascinates me. Okay. You talk about falling in. I'm, I'm in love with the number three pick content, whether it's following the betting boards, Justin Fields has been, it, it just feels like a merry-go-round and you, you mentioned kind of um, not the certainty of it, but it being down to this. So walk us through how this whole thing has kind of transpired in your eyes and maybe where, if you have a lean of ultimate Willie, where they're going to end up. Yeah, I think they'll take Mac Jones. Um, I, I, and I have Oof. not wavered on that at all. And I, again, it goes back to should they versus will they. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of people have a hard time differentiating between the two things. So if I am on ESPN or here with you guys, or if I write an article and say, I believe the Niners are going to take Mac Jones, people will think that that's what I would do or that I'm defending that. I'm not. I'm just telling you what I think will happen. And it really comes down to this for me. And maybe this is way too simple. Everyone I talk to, whether that's a reporter, an agent, a scout, a coach, everyone I've talked to thinks Mac Jones will be that pick. And so at some point, when everyone says something's going to happen, you kind of trust it, right? Even if it defies logic, you trust it. And so I think how you come to this point, Kyle Shanahan wants to win a Super Bowl. It's that simple. He's had the lead in two Super Bowls and lost them. Now, you could say he lost them because it's the defenses of those teams fell apart or that they ran into maybe two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. But I, I think there is something to this of Kyle Shanahan's like, I need to get my guy instead of, well, we tried to trade for Tom Brady and they made Jimmy Garoppolo available. We did it. Didn't quite get where we wanted it to. I think now he really wants to go get his guy. And what this will ultimately come down to, in my opinion, is that John Lynch and the scouts in San Francisco can love Trey Lance and say, this is the modern quarterback. This is, this is where the position's going. I don't disagree with that. But this is Kyle Shanahan's decision. And if he wants Mac Jones, if he wants this cerebral, accurate, super fast processing quarterback, that's who he's going to get. And I don't think that there's like – that there's not a discussion to be had what Kyle Shanahan wants he will get as far as the quarterback so I know people have started to hedge a little and say like well you know if the scouts went out it could be Trey Lance I text I, I picked five people who I knew would are very plugged in around the NFL last week and I text them and I was like anonymously I'm taking a poll what percent confident are you that Mac Jones is the pick everyone but one person replied 99 percent so wow. I mean like and so, again, it's like 
I've used this analogy a lot. If I look at five different weather apps and they all say it's going to be 73 and cloudy today, it's probably going to be 73 and cloudy today, right? So at some point, even if you don't like the information out there, you have to trust it. Matt, really quickly, what would you do if you were the 49ers at three? Because I, I, I get a feeling it's probably not Mac Jones. Uh, it's not. I would definitely go Justin Fields. And that's just, it goes down to personal preference. I think that's the quarterback position though, right? Everybody has the thing that they want. And I, I think the best way that I have some, in my job, you like say things and see how people react to them. And then if it works, you keep using them. So <laughs> the best way that I have found to explain this is with all the quarterbacks and really the draft in general, we're asking, you know, people to trust in potential. Zach Wilson, it's the, you know, the potential that 2020 is the, the start of his climb. You know, the Trey Lance, 17 starts in college, but oh my God, the potential. If you want me to bet on potential, I want 6'3", 230 that just ran a 4-4 and has never lost a game in conference. Like, that's that's what I want. You know, I, I've even tried doing the blindfold test with people. Like, okay, forget what you saw against Indiana or Northwestern when his half his team was out. 6'3", 230, ran a 4-4, threw like three interceptions in 2019, uh, never lost a game in conference, was a number one recruit coming out of high school. He's smart enough to go to Harvard is super high character, is a leader. Oh, and he's tough as hell. That would be the number one pick in most drafts. But for some reason, he's going to be the fifth quarterback selected. So I have a hard time with that. Matt, the th interesting thing of this draft, we've been so fixated, We everybody, of the quarterbacks, of course, because there's intrigue. But even San Francisco, there's a certainty to what they're doing. And what pick it's the part I love. There's going to be a pick. There's a place in the, the first round, maybe even the top five, top 10, wherever, where you think that your mock draft could go haywire, right? Like what point in this? Is it four with Atlanta? Is it down the line a bit? What, where do you think that potential shakeup could be? I think four is where it gets wild. And I was having this conversation with uh, my guy, Mello, who Kramer, you know, well, and he hosts a podcast with myself at page Q. And we were talking about this and was like, he was like, is this the best you've ever felt about a mock draft? And was like, no, but the first six feels pretty good. So it might actually be seven with Detroit because mm -hmm. it, it does feel like it's going to go quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. I mean, it will not feels like it will. Kyle Pitts to Atlanta, probably Panay Sewell to Cincinnati. Jamar Chase would then go to Miami. Then you get to Detroit at seven and like the best players are off the board and you're like, what the hell are they going to do? They traded for Jared Goff. They don't really need a right tackle. Rashawn Slater can play right tackle there. They need wide receivers, but is Dan Campbell and his kneecap biting self going to want the 166 pound Devonte Smith? Who I do think Devontae's tough. He was a gunner on the punt team for Christ's sake, but he doesn't scream Dan Campbell to me. So I think Detroit is the spot where you probably feel like the first six picks are, are chalk. And then after that, anything could happen. Matt, I got a question again, back to Mac Jones, because I did a mock draft recently for the game day and I had the 49ers going Trey Lance I was having a hard time slotting Mac Jones if he gets past that number three pick. If he does, where do you expect him to go? Yeah, man, I tweeted this a while back, and I was like, let's just have a thought experiment. What if Mac Jones doesn't go three? Where does he go? And people were replying, like, second round. And I'm like, no, there's no way he doesn't, he doesn't go to the, in the second round. I think we would probably see some of the teams that were considering options for Justin Fields, the Denver Broncos, the New England Patriots, Washington, if they got wild and wanted to trade up, I think there are a lot of teams that fit. And I, I feel badly for Mac Jones. I hope I get a, a chance soon to speak to him in person because I, I feel like someone needs to say to him, like, 
hey man, like we're really sorry that everyone has decided to crap on you because you're being overdrafted. Like he's still a good quarterback, right? He's still incredibly accurate and he's smart and he's poised. And like, there's a lot to like about Mac Jones. And I feel so badly that he's become the guy where he's almost become a, a punching bag, at, you know, like Daniel Jones was to some degree. And so I, but I do think, I mean, he would be a top 15 pick. And I, I think there would probably even be a really good conversation that he might be the fourth pick, you know, that, that Atlanta might say, hey, this is, this is the guy. You know, this is the next Matt Ryan for us. So I do think he would go earlier than a lot of people believe. Matt, your evaluation for this begins essentially beginning a year ago, right? Uh, for these, this crop of players, I'm curious. It's a weird year. Opt-outs, the, the, just the whole seasonal component was strange. The, the scouting component was obviously really strange too with pro days and juiced up times. Is there a, a player... For, for better or worse, that throughout this process, I mean, you know, has shot up or shot down where your opinion on them has changed wildly over the past four months? Um, man, Sean Wade, does that count? Yes. <laughs> and a player who like, I mean, I headed into the year, you know, after last year where he was, he was solid. You, Sean Wade, I'm sure if we went back to my way too early 2021 mock draft slideshow, he would have been in the first <laughs> round, right? He, I mean, he just would have been. And so now he's looking at being a fourth round pick just based on poor play. And, you know, with the opt-out guys, I know there's been a lot of conversation about, you know, NFL teams would choose a non-opt-out player over an opt-out player. I'm not buying that. I want to see somebody make that decision with Jamar Chase or, you know, Panay Sewell staring them in the face. Be like, okay, please draft Christian Darisol or Kadarius Tony over those guys because they played football this year. I dare you to do it if you really believe that. So I think that, you know, I think Sean Wade is probably the best example of somebody that if you'd looked at rankings nine months ago or a year ago, like you said, Adam, you'd be like, Ooh, damn, what happened here? You know, uh, there, there wasn't that like quarterback who, you know, fell through the floor this year, like a Jake Fromm last year or Jacob Eason. So, it, you know, and I think some of it because of smaller schedules, because of opt-outs, we really didn't have people rise and fall as much as as much as they might in a normal draft process. I, Wyatt Davis might be the other one. Well, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to pick on Ohio State, goodness. But <laughs> I think both of those players had such good reputations headed into the year. And then, you know, with Wyatt, there's some injury stuff. And he's just kind of reckless at times. And then with Sean Wade, he just – I mean, he can only oh, play God. slot corner. Yeah. That's it. Oh, like, God. And the film was awful, man. I mean – He still like, has to have nightmares about Devontae Smith, by the way. Like – It was br it was brutal. And it's a tough assignment, but just the optics of that. Like, the average fan watched that, and it was – it was as bad as it could possibly be for a corner. That must be a lonely place there. Yeah, man, it it is. And especially when – when it happens on like the biggest stage of the yeah. year where like everyone's watching <laughs> and, and that's like the hard part of my job, you know, because you can have like, you know, like Dylan Moses, the linebacker mm -hmm. from Alabama played pretty well in that game. And people are like, why do you have a fourth round grade on this player? It's like, well, his knee is a constant issue and he just had another meniscus tear. And let's not even talk about, you know, the, the situation with the dad who's like super controlling and way too involved yeah. there. And it's like, but that happens, you know, if there's a marquee game, People see that and think that's who the player is instead of that. Well, let's pull back and there's three years, but for, for poor Sean Wade, it was just not a good season at all. Matt, every year we get a couple of players that surprise us in the first round. Do you have any good candidates this year that could maybe slip into the late twenties, early thirties? Oh, absolutely. This is my favorite part of the job of like, which guys are going to surprise everyone. Mm -hmm. I think 
I, I think it probably starts on the defensive line where it's not a good class and Christian Barmore from Alabama's name is dropping. I think the player who could benefit from that is Levi Anzrique from mm-hmm. Washington. He was an opt-out guy last year. He's so athletic, though. And I think there are teams, you know, unfortunately, Marcus, your Dallas Cowboys aren't, aren't there in the 20s where he's probably coming off the board because he'd be a great fit there. But, you know, teams like Tennessee, uh, teams like even Las Vegas uh, as a reach, I think would be uh, maybe not like a shock for him because he's just was such a good player. I think Walker Little is another one. Uh, missed 2019 after week one, the ACL tear, opted out this past year. So we haven't seen him play football in two years. But headed into, you know, week one, 2019, he was my top-rated tackle for that upcoming draft class, which had players like Jedrick Wills, Andrew Thomas, you know, Mekhi Becton, Tristan Wirfs. Pretty good tackle class. And I thought he was the best one headed into the year. So if teams are comfortable with his knee, then I, I, I think he could be a – Maybe a surprise. If Kansas City hadn't, you know, made the trade for Orlando Brown, I really felt like they could be the team that, whether a Walker Little or Brady Christensen, where they just drafted a scheme fit, or like, who cares what the value is? We need a left tackle, but but now they got one. Man, Walker Little was like the face of that position for a minute. I mean, that that was the guy. Yeah. Um, so you're right. Mm-hmm. That's a, It's just hearing the name itself. If, if he could find lightning in a bottle, my goodness, what a player. Now we know you, you got to catch a plane. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get you out on this. The, the bold predictions. It feels like we are back at the BR days, man, to shoot like a quick video at the desk and get some, some right. edgy uh, headline grabbing things, but not necessarily <laughs> that to, to that degree, but give us a couple of things that you could see happening, not just in the first round, um, whether it's a run of offensive players or defensive players or a certain player, what do you think, is going to grab the headlines ultimately from a draft that from the top, we kind of know what's going to happen. Uh, give us a few of the Matt Miller specials that you expect to see. Yeah. I mean, I think new England is the the team to watch, you know, of what they do, especially what they do at quarterback. They have, you know, 10 picks. They have a gigantic need at that position. So I think if we do see our fan favorite, Justin Fields slip, and I know this was reported Monday morning, but it's something that a lot of us have been saying for years, they would be very wise to go get, Uh, Justin Fields so I think that's a big one that watching New England what they do not only will be like the headline but I think it will inform a lot about what the plan is there long term after you know a 20-year run as far as think positional runs I do think we're going to see corners come off the board between pick you know pick 10 11 12 13 like we could see three corners drafted right there and unfortunately what happens this year is there are three really good receivers, then there's a drop-off. There are three really good corners, then there's a drop-off. There are two really good tackles, then there's a drop-off. So I really see this as, like, those teams in the late first round, I would not be shocked if we see, number one, like, crazy picks like Damon Arnett last year where we're all like, that's not where he should be drafted. Or we see a lot of trades as teams are like, okay, in the 20s, we actually don't like any of these players. Let's move out and pick up picks for next year. Awesome. Well, Matt, we can't wait to watch you. You'll see him on ESPN. Uh, we'll check out the draftscout.com. Uh, what you've got, uh, when is the final mock due out, by the way? I mean, th- that's like you got your big yeah. board. So what, what's the, give us like an ETA to check it out. Yeah, Thursday morning. And, and it's different, again, this year being self-employed. I can actually just put the damn thing out whenever I want instead of, you know, <laughs> having to have it ready like Monday so that they can make graphics and stuff around it. So uh, Thursday morning, it'll be loaded. Again, today really focused on, you know, getting the big board and all the scouting reports loaded. Uh, Tuesday will be my final scouting notebook of the year, which is a big rumors piece. Uh, And then Wednesday night doing a little subscriber Q&A and trying to finish that seven round mock draft. 
Awesome. Matt, great, uh, great stuff as always. We really appreciate your time and a busy week, man. Safe travel, good luck, and we will talk to you again soon. All right. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Take care. Matt Miller, best in the business. Always appreciate Matt dropping by. Again, check him out this week. He'll be all over the place delivering NFL content. But now before we sign off, time for the future. All right, Marcus, before it's the future, but it's usually like the past. Like I have to go in yeah. the past. Yeah. I had a very good MMA betting night. I'm actually on a little bit of a heater. Um, but first and foremost, did you see Chris Weidman's leg snap in half did you watch that live yeah oh man that was that was brutal i think dana white even tweeted out it was the first knockout ever without a punch being thrown uh i it was it, it was I, uh, that, that one that one was sickening right it's like you see it once and you just don't want to see it i again. watched it with my neighbor who's a physical therapist and he struggled to get through it yeah. uh because and i mean this is his life but i did see it once could have done without the slow-mo replays um that was the only, that was my only loss on the main card. It was, you know, I'll, I'll say this fans back electric. I mean, the yes, whole thing we needed it. was yes. electric. You saw Rose do her thing with a high kick. Mm-hmm. Um, Mospital Usman, uh, I had Rose. I had that not go the distance. It, I mean, it was strange. You had, you had the injuries, but just the general vibe of this card, you really do miss fans. That was my biggest takeaway of just how much they inject into this sport. Uh, yeah, Jake Paul there almost getting into it with Duke Cormier. I mean, this card yeah. had a little bit of everything. Antonio Brown sitting with Jake Paul. Yeah, literally everything. Uh, also, very good prelims. Like, leading up to the fights, yes. like, those were some awesome, awesome fights. So, uh, I actually think that might have been one of the best cards that we've had so far this I, year. I agree with you. And I think because of fans, they're going to continue to stay – aggressive with bookings right i mean that's the that's the exciting thing uh there's a couple cards coming up that we'll get into that are just absolutely fantastic so as we look into the future we've already done i think some of the heavy lifting with nfl draft stuff again i've got picks up on the game day as well so go check those out what else catches your eye here uh across the landscape of the betting world yeah if you just want to make some money and have some stress-free betting how about Julius Randle of the Knicks to be the most improved player? I've seen the odds somewhere between minus 300 and minus 500. It's an absolute lock. He's going to win the award. I, I know it's a bit chalky. Uh, throw some money on there. You'll, you'll get it back here in a couple of weeks anyways. But Julius Randle, what a season he's having. For the At Knicks. the time we record this, they've covered, what, 12 straight games? I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. They're playing fantastic. They, they really are. It's, it's just the team is not all that different. And Tibbs, like – it is, it is pretty wild what he can do with that mm-hmm. team. And they are fun to watch. Randall is like a legitimate, I won't say MVP candidate, but he's like, he's in the conversation. He's not going to win. He'll get like a fifth or sixth yeah. place vote, right? No, he, I mean, he should. Yeah. He has been that good uh, for them. Uh, Marcus, one other thing I forgot to bring up. It's draft, draft, draft. It's Derby week. It is Kentucky Derby oh, week. Yeah. So I will be out in Vegas. I'm actually going to do... Uh, so I love writing for the game day. A Kentucky Derby picks column coming out later this week. Uh, I'm going to wait till the postings on Wednesday. I got to do some scouting here a little bit. I'm, I'm a, I love betting horses. I'll admit this, mm-hmm. the Derby, if you know what you're doing in horses, like this is not necessarily the race for you. When you have 20 horses, just like bashing into mm-hmm. each other the whole way. Um, it, it's, it's, but that's what makes it fun. Great value in this race. Something weird ultimately is going to happen. We've seen DQs in the last couple of years. I mean, it's a wild ride. Are you uh, are you into the Derby at all? My family loves horse racing. We go to the track 
fairly often. I don't want to say how much, no, but fairly, very, very often. So, uh, I, of course, uh, I cannot wait to, to, to read yeah. your thoughts on the, on the Kentucky Derby. It should be a ton of fun, which sets up, Adam. This is a, a great, great sports weekend. Oh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I mean, again, Vegas for me was picked specifically for this with the draft and the Derby and throwing some golf, throwing some MMA. I like Dominic Reyes next week, by the way, throwing, throwing all of that. Uh, this is like the peak yeah. this month too. When you throw in Augusta and everything else, this is like the tail end of a really exciting time in sports. So I am uh, what's your draft setup look like, by the way, get, take me before we sign off, take me through your draft setup. So in my house, I have a 10 by 10 board with like 400 magnets of every single player and little scouting reports on the players. And uh, that's in my, in my, uh, my family room and our, you know, our game room, whatever you want to call it. And as the draft goes on, we're pulling the magnets off to see the best players available. We'll have a big party. We've got three or four TVs set up. So well, people here all three days. It's it's a lot of fun. It's it's quite the experience. Oh man, I can't wait. I gotta say, I did not like the move to Thursday at first. Um, it's fantastic. It, it, no, it like, is. It, three days. it really is. Like for people that consume this stuff, like we do, you get so much of it. Especially because again, day three is just loaded with really good players. And if you watch the makeup of NFL teams, mm-hmm. like that is beyond the quarterback. That's where they're made. So I. I could not be more excited for this. I've got to make sure to. Do you do you remember when it used to be the Saturday Sunday and there was 15 minutes between every yes. pick? It was a it was a long long. It was days. the last time I was in Vegas for a draft was a Saturday. Uh, it done did not end well for me, uh, and this one may not either. <laughs> but we are looking forward to it. Uh, a reminder, guys, uh, GameDay.com too. The game day guy, we got all sorts of draft content, derby content, other betting content. I know we're going to continue to do more of that on this show uh also you can check out what our affiliates are doing there check us out spotify apple podcast for marcus moser adam craig thanks matt miller for joining us it is draft time everybody enjoy and we will recap next week 